Please open your Bibles to Acts 28. Verse 1. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the, of the island. He welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honoured us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with supplies that we needed. Amen. I checked our, our website and this is the 28th sermon that I have spoken on regarding the book of Acts. 27 previous, and this is the 28th, and after this one, we will have one more to look at how Paul got on in Rome. And for the past several weeks in our sermons, we've seen how Paul's desire to go to Rome as a fulfillment of God's promise to him has been kept, but kept in a very... Uh, strange way. Just a quick recap. We looked at the last couple of weeks on the big storm that happened in, in Acts 27. Now those big storms are not uncommon in the Mediterranean Sea in what we would call the autumn winter months. And we saw how they lost control of the direction of the ship. It was a mighty tempest they could not navigate because it was such a big storm. The sun was shielded and the stars were shielded. They could not navigate. And they began to throw things overboard to lighten the ship. But eventually they were shipwrecked. And it was a, a very difficult voyage. But Paul, as I said last week, was still in the will of God. I want to turn your attention to a very famous passage in Isaiah, Isaiah 55 and verses 8 and 9. These are famous words, but words that I think are very applicable 
to how God got Paul to Rome. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Marvellous words there. So, we don't know why the storm came, but it came. And Paul, as I suggested last week, had a great calm in the midst of this storm. Because he was given a vision by God. Look at uh, chapter 27 and verses 23 and 24, where he says to the crew, Last night, an angel of the Lord, who I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. You see, Paul knows the end game. But what a way to get to the end game via this massive storm. I was reading recently a book by Corrie ten Boom about her time in the concentration camps and all the, the difficulties that happened to her and her family there and the tragedy of losing family there. And she made a comment which I've written down, which I think uh, may be applicable to Paul and particularly his travelling Christian companions. Sometimes God sends you on a stormy path, she writes. But when he does, he gives you strong shoes. And I think that uh, statement might apply very much to Paul. I noticed in my reading this week, uh, in preparation for this sermon, that there's a certain irony that uh, people have uh, made, a certain paradox here that people have observed, in that Paul getting to Rome, is his uh, actual uh, costs were negligible because he was being taken by the Roman authorities. All his expenses would have been paid by Rome. Now, remember, we have looked recently, in the recent past, last week in fact, that Paul says to <clears throat> the crew and the captain, it's bad news to go uh, on a, a sailing voyage now and we're going to be put in danger. And when he, they had passed through the danger, he said, you should have listened to me. But then he encourages them to eat food and he prays. Um, he's turned from, as we saw last week, captive to captain. And remember that they, uh, before, just before the very end, uh, they were wanting to cut loose all the, and leave the boat. And Paul says, no, you've got to stay on ship. You've got to stay on ship or none of us will be saved. Don't jump ship. And then in the final verses of chapter 27, we have uh, Julius, the centurion, protecting Paul from those who want to kill him because he was a, a captive and one of the problems was that if a captive escaped, 
as it probably looked likely, the, uh, the uh, soldiers would uh, be uh, paying with their own lives. But Julius the Centurion protected Paul. Now, we'll come on to chapter 28. They, are, they have no idea where they are. And they find out that the island was called Malta. Now, Malta is a reasonably small island, about 17 miles by 10. And they probably recognize after a while that that's where they are. But really, at the beginning, they have no idea. And they spend three months here on Malta, November through to January. And that's a very wet time of the year. And it says in verse 2, um, it was raining and cold. Typical weather. Now, again, just let me go back to uh, the Old Testament and read a passage to you, this time from um, Psalm 107. So go back to Psalm 107 and look at verses 23 to around about 32. reads like this. Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, the wonderf his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men, they were at their wit's end. And then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stifled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Well, those words certainly apply to Paul, his traveling companions, to the centurion, and to the rest of that 276 who are on board that vessel. And uh, God is at, very, at the very least getting the crew's attention on Paul. Paul had been right the first time when he said, let's not sail, it's dangerous. He'd been right a second time when he'd said, he'd had a vision from God, they're all going to be safe, and that's what happened. Now, just let me go off on a bit of a tangent. I, um, I had the pleasure of uh, privilege of going to Malta several years ago to um, visit the OM ship Logos. They were moored up in Malta, and they were coming to Falmouth some time later. And myself and the Anglican vicar um, went to uh, see them. Stephen Tudgy and myself went, and we looked at what they were doing in Malta, and we had time to go around the island. Now, there is a cathedral in Valletta, the capital of Malta, which is called Shipwreck Cathedral. And uh, there is another church, uh, a different part of the island, which is called St. Paul's Bay, 
which was probably the actual place where Paul landed in Acts 28. Now, I'll just go off on a tangent because I tell you, it's a fascinating story. In the 1960s, divers were investigating the sea floor around St. Paul's Bay. And they found four anchors. And they, it could be very possible that these anchors were part of the ship when the anchors were cut loose, remember, dropped to the seabed. Because St. Paul's Bay is where two seas meet. It's got a sandy beach. And it's got a sea depth of between 90 and 120 feet. And those anchors are now in the Maritime Museum in Valletta, simply marked out as four anchors from the Roman period. I just wondered uh, whether they ought to put, possibly, these are the anchors of the ship that Paul um, sailed on in Acts 28, and that was a, uh, a shipwreck. So 28, once, 28 verse, once, well, verse 1, once safely on shore, we found out the island was called Malta. Now, Malta, the name Malta, is a Phoenician term. It's a Phoenician word. And it actually means escape. The word Malta in Phoenician means escape. And I think Luke here is having a, a play on words. Once safely on shore, we found, once safely on shore, once escaped on shore, we found out the island was called Escape. It's quite a fascinating play on words. And I want you to notice verse 2. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Now remember the numbers we are talking about here. In the previous chapter, we took, they, they, it said 276 were on board. All 276 escaped. And verse 2 says, the islanders showed great hospitality. 276 is a large number. Unusual kindness was being shown to these shipwrecked men. And again, it set me thinking, going off on another tangent, that the Bible always talks about we Christians having a responsibility to show kindness and hospitality to all people. The Bible puts a high value on hospitality. Now, there's a fascinating uh, comment in Hebrews 13 about hospitality and about showing kindness. Uh, it says there that uh, we might have the possibility of entertaining angels uh, without knowing it, by entertaining strangers, showing hospitality to strangers. Now let's go back to Acts 28. Uh, they build a bonfire, and in verse 3, Paul is there helping others gather sticks. Now I just want to stop there and just pause and think about how that particular practical thing, gathering sticks, shows us an insult, gives us an insight into Paul's character. 
You see, for Paul, no job too small for a Christian leader. Remember, he's been the mainstay in getting them through this horrendous experience of the storm. He's been proved right on a number of occasions. And he could have sat back and said, you do this, you do this, you do the other. But Paul is very humble and he joins in the rest collecting this, this firewood, these sticks. But however, in verse 4, when the islanders <coughs> saw that a snake hung from his hand... They said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. Now just notice, justice has a capital J. It is the name of the daughter of one of the Greek gods, Zeus, and this daughter of Zeus was seen to be the goddess of justice. Dekai was her name. And these unbelievers these pagans, who have a knowledge, it seems here, of right and wrong. They have a sense of morality. And they say that, okay, Paul's got out of the shipwreck, but justice, this goddess, has not allowed him to live because he truly is a murderer. But they were wrong. And they expected him to fall down, dead, um, but after waiting a long time, it says in verse 6, they changed their minds, Paul was okay, and they said he was a god. Um, interesting, <laughs> they changed very quickly from <clears throat> accusing him of being a murderer and thinking that he's going to die when he doesn't die to thinking that he's a god. Such is their, uh, their understanding. Verse 7, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. Probably the chief official meaning he was the governor of the island. And he welcomed us to his home and for three days entertained us hospitably. Now, again, stop and just think of the numbers involved here. We know from the previous chapters, I've said, 276 people on board the boat. 276 being welcomed and entertained and given food and drink, etc. This man is showing, this man Publius, is showing a great deal of kindness and mercy and compassion to this group. Now, I suppose you could say the us there in verse 7 might be just referring to Paul and his Christian companions, but I think it's much more likely that he's uh, entertaining the whole group of people, which means he must have been quite a rich man, had quite a big estate. But in verse 8 we're told that this man's father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Now, <clears throat> records show us that Malta was reasonably well-known for being given over to what's called a gastric fever. Scientists have said that uh, the milk from goats on Malta was, we would say, very dodgy and contained uh, various microbes and, and things which are not good. And it was, uh, fever was a common uh, illness on the island. 
and this man's father was in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery, which does mean that probably due to the milk, as I've said. And Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. Paul prays. Paul lays his hand upon this man, and God heals the man. Paul is the instrument of God in this particular situation. Now, we're not told in the text whether Paul preached the gospel to this man and those who came to, uh, came to be healed afterwards. It says in verse 10, when this has happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured and they honoured us in many ways. We're not told by Luke that there was a preaching of the gospel, but I'm absolutely certain there would have been preaching the gospel because, you see, here we have what we call signs and wonders happening. And the signs and wonders that God would do would be a confirmation of the gospel that Paul preached. So I'm almost certain that in the midst of all this, the signs and wonders that Paul here, had here with this man's, the governor's father, and with the rest of the island, the sick on the island, Paul would have had a great opportunity of preaching the gospel. And so in uh, 9 and 10, the rest of the island, uh, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honoured us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. Although I didn't read out um, verses 11 to 16, just a quick look at those verses for Paul's arrival in Rome. They go to various places, um, sail to various places, and there, <clears throat> various places, they, um, they meet fellow Christians. And in verse 15, the brothers there heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the Forum of Apius and the Three Thousands of Meters, and at the sight of these men, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. And then that great verse, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. We finally have Paul at Rome, being met by fellow Christians along the way, various places on the way to Rome, and it says he was encouraged. I bet he was. And again, looking back over the last three or four or five chapters, we've seen the, the, the providence of God in so many ways, haven't we? We've seen how, despite all the circumstances, Paul gets through one trial after another. He gets through this almighty storm. And here we have Paul in Rome. And we'll look next week how Paul preaches at Rome whilst under guard. Amen. <laughs>